Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Last week we began a series in our build-up to the Festival of Ideas in August. We revisited the subject of succession planning with a series we called Second Generation. We are privileged to have um, Oheniba and Della from Strategic Securities and also from Jandel hanging out with us in those series that talks to not the founders, but the successes of the business, those being groomed for leadership at various levels in organizations. And so we began to explore the subject from a very interesting perspective. The book of Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, A good man, and by extension a good woman, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And so it's great to leave a legacy. But what are the pressures that come with being a second-generation leader? What are the questions that people ask when they get to know who you are? What are the nuances and the dynamics involved in leading from that unique position? My guests tonight are the Dufour sisters. What in my opinion, Bafoy, executive director of Star Assurance, and what Makakra. Before Nyaku, Executive Director of Star Life Assurance. I've known them for years, but I even me used to struggle with which is which. So I meet one and say, hello, opinion. And so no, this car Charlie, it's noisy. Identical twins. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> I put a picture of them on Facebook. If you're streaming live on Facebook, I, I won't tell you which one is pain and which one is Kakra. The picture is there. Just tell me which one is pain and which one is Kakra, if you do. So, um, where do I start from? Let me start with your opinion. I mean, in, in our culture, age is very important, even if you are a minute older than the person. So let me start with your opinion. Welcome to Spring World. It's your first time. Thank you very on, much, Albert. It's your first time on the venture investing. Yes. You've been, on the, you've been on the road show before, 2009 Nine. or so. We traveled to different countries, but yeah, to, uh, different cities, but this is the first time. Okay, so let me start by rolling back and asking you, did you, um, let's see, when you were 10, Ten. I mean, hanging out in the middle class, six thereabouts. Did you ever think you would find yourself in the position you occupy now? No, I thought I'll be a pilot. Then I thought I'll be a lawyer. Oh, you went through that that phase where I mean, yes. I, actually, I, everybody goes through that kind of those <laughs> those moments of uncertainty. Okay, so why pilot? I don't know. I just fancied the uniform. I remember when I was a kid, they just looked good to me. So I thought, yeah, there's some, and there weren't a lot of women pilots. So I thought, yeah, this is something I could do. Have you given up? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so from the, from pilot that you went to what? Lawyer. What about law? Don't tell me the uniform again. Because if you did, no, I'll, I'll get the, your uniform oh, for your current job. <laughs> no, I just like the way they spoke and I like the way they expressed themselves. And they, I like the way they were able to put out arguments. No matter, even if it's right or it's wrong, they were able to give out concrete evidence to that fact so i like that fact about them all right so one is appearance and researching as well so one is appearance to his public speaking okay. well i'm just trying to find out what you like what you don't like in life have you have you guys ever been interviewed before i mean the two of you together what for an interview yes no okay so i get to be the privileged one to have done this for the first time so this is like joy from breaking news all right so so you thought about you thought about 
about about being a pilot than being a lawyer. Yeah. When I was in sixth form, it was definitely lawyer. Right. And that's why I did my de- my degree in history and politics. And then I was going to change over to do law after that. So what changed? Um, Don't tell me that he said. <laughs> well, we had a bit of a conversation and he drew my attention to the fact that I needed some managerial skills. So my master's was in management. Master's in management. It had also the strategic management, marketing and other things. And then during that manage uh, that master's, I realized that I was interested in accounting and finance. So I actually did another degree in accounting and finance, a master's degree. So I have two masters, one in management and one in accounting and finance. I'm interested in the, that period when founders of businesses begin to move from passive parents to active interferers. <laughs> if I may use that word. Um, what, what, at what stage in your life did your daddy get more intent, intentional about about ensuring that you were doing what you wanted? <laughs> I think after my degree. I mean, your, your he, he knew that I was very interested in the arts, reading, writing. So, I mean, he allowed me to do that. But then he he didn't... We had a conversation. I like the way you say it. Very yeah, politically yeah. correct. No, I mean, he, he doesn't... He makes you know that this is what you're supposed to do he makes you you think about it yourself and you realize yeah maybe i do need this because you kind of ask you oh what if you know you need managerial skills wherever you go so then you think yes i do need it i can always he he said to me you can always do your law but i think you need managerial skills well for, for from the perspective of um from the perspective of leadership i mean that would be called negotiation skills, but yes. but obviously, uh, from his perspective, I'm sure he knew exactly what he was doing. Good evening, Doctor Dufour. I'm sure you're listening to, to the show tonight. Let me come to you, Kakra. So so did you? Uh, and I'm thinking, I'll come back to find out what you actually are doing now okay. uh, for, for the benefit of our listeners. But Kakra, did you did you see yourself doing what you are doing now? An actuary doing what you are doing now? Was it even something that fact featured in your thinking? No, it didn't at all. I think. From a very young age, I was a girly girl. So I liked to do my sister's hair and I liked to do makeup. So I, I always wanted to be like a cosmetologist or something along that line. But I was also very mathematically inclined and more science biased. So in my O and A level, those are the subjects that I picked. And then, like Penny would say, we had a conversation. <laughs> when, when was your conversation? No, I think it was when I had to pick my subject for my degree. Um, I wasn't. Sh- I wanted to do just pure math, and then we were looking for those kinds of courses. And then he he said, "What about economics?" And and then I I decided, okay, I want to do economics. I want to do more econometrics, so the math side. And we tried to find um, universities that would offer those courses. So I ended up doing economics at Warwick because they had an econometrics module as well, which I enjoyed. So after that, then I found out about actuarial science from him, of course, because I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I still wanted to go towards 
the math route and then we found out about actuarial science so I decided to pursue that for my second degree right so um it's 14 minutes past the hour of 7 o'clock. If you just joined us, my guest for tonight, Pain and Kakra. I, I won't tell you their full names. I've, I've done it once. I think <laughs> Pain and Kakra, the four sisters, helped me to understand understand the nuances of being the the child of uh, uh, an entrepreneur. I almost said a serial entrepreneur, but somebody who has done it over and over and over, who is hunting for children to place in strategic places and i'm finding out about a certain conversation and the right time to have it and it's important for me because i need to know when to start having that conversation with my children so, <laughs> all right so actuarial analysis came or studies came into the picture and then you got hooked kakra yes so that was for my master's and yeah like i said i've always just been math inclined so it was something easy for me to do. Have you given up on cosmetology? Ah, well, I practice on myself. <laughs> I, I, I can tell from the <laughs> I'm still interested, but it's more a hobby, a personal hobby for myself. Right. Yeah. All right. So, so both of you found yourselves having a conversation that began to drive you in a particular direction. Was there resistance? Was there... And I'm sure it's not just one conversation. It's initially a conversation about career path, and then as you go on, conversation about why don't you do this? And then, so how do you find yourself? I mean, you are both in Star, but one in Star Assurance, one in Star Life. How did you find yourself? It wasn't so much. He he tries to identify each child's ability, I believe, because I was more math inclined, Penny was more arts inclined. You know, each one of us had a, a, a separate affinity or you know, interest, interest right. in particular subject. So it was tailored towards that. It would have been a bit odd if I had to do law, for example, because I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't like to talk as much. So it would have been a difficult profession for me to excel in. So I think the good thing is he tries to identify each child's ability, and then it kind of goes in that direction. So in as much as it's a conversation and there is some influence, it's not totally out of what the child or the you know the, the child can do the big question i would like to answer tonight and and you you don't even need to give me the answer but from the insider perspective the big question that i would want to answer for myself tonight and any help that i can get from you will be appreciated from what you've seen in what you do and just what what about what is the biggest benefit of handing over a business to your child from what you've seen what is the biggest benefit of handing over a business to your child it's a question i'm answering for myself but i'm going to hope to get some help from you but just to provide perspective opinion what exactly do you do today today i'm the executive director in charge of finance and admin at starshrant so the finance department i'm the supervisor there and then the hr and admin as well how many, how many staff do you ever see we have 150 and how many of them are directly in their unit? I have, well, I, I do e-insurance as well. E-insurance reports to me as well and bank so, insurance. So would it, would it be about half the number? Not half. Maybe about a third. A third. So 50 people look up to you as their direct, more or less, yeah. as, as, as the director that oversees that sector. Yes. What kind of leader are you? I'll, I'll confirm from your staff, but what kind of leader are you? What kind of leader am I in terms of? I'm a, I'm a, 
I mean, I realize and I recognize that I cannot do everything. So I actually am open to take inputs from my staff. And I am not, they report to me, so I understand that. So I am not directly in there. I allow them to do their work. And then when it's time for me to come in, I step in. I think I'm very open and I listen to them a lot and see how best that I can also help them. So it's a, I don't, I'm not, I don't impose on them. Right. It's kind of like listening to them because they are on the field and then seeing how best I can also help them. How old is your company? My company is 33. And how long have you been in the company? Directly? Directly. Okay, so since 2000 and let's see. I've been there since 2008. So that's about 10 years. Yes, but I've been working there, I mean, All I think since I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> since I finished my sixth form. I did right. a year there, and then every summer I had to go back. The reason I ask is because there, there will be people who were there way before you. Yes, who yes. probably, I mean, well, not not necessarily when you were born maybe you probably will be in mid 30 so maybe they were they knew you when you were a child running about and now they're supposed to call you boss how does it feel from your perspective how does it feel well i i, I don't behave like a boss i mean and i've i've been working there for almost half of my life so i think they they knew me quite well and everybody everybody is doing their job really so i don't expect them to call me boss i'm still penny even though they prefer to call me ED, but it's still the same environment, and I'm still the same person, just that, obviously, probably I have skills and other things that they might not have. So do you, do you, so do you see yourself as a privileged person? Extremely. Tell me about that. I am privileged because I get an opportunity I mean, first of all, I have a platform that I can stand on. Not a lot of people get that opportunity, so I'm very privileged to have that. And I have where I am sitting now, I can make impact. And it, and it will be heard. So I think for that, I'm very privileged. And I didn't have to go through a lot of the things that a lot of people went through. So for that, of course, I'm privileged. I can't say that. I'm not. opinion. Bafo Iwa is the one speaking right now, Executive Director of Star Assurance. All right, let me cross over to Boatima Kakra Bafo. Hey, I'm so used to paying in Kakra, so I need to give, provide perspective for the benefit of my listeners. Let me come to you, Kakra. Give me an idea about the, the, the nature of your job now. Okay, so apart from the actuarial services that I provide, for example, I have to value the liabilities of the company. I do product development, so every product that we come up with, I essentially do the pricing with my team. I lead the team to do the pricing. That's on the actuarial side. And I'm currently the chief servant at Star Life, so basically... Just acting CEO. Yes, so basically right. everyone reports to me. How many staff do you ever see? Oh, in the region of about 160 plus. Have you done an analysis of how many of them are older than you? I haven't. I haven't done an analysis. Off the top of your head, will it be about? 
Oh, the majority of them will probably be older than me. <laughs> How does it feel to walk into a, a, a company with 160 people, most of whom are older than you? And because of cultural nuances, yeah. you are a woman. That makes yeah. it even, yeah, that's true. even more special. And, and then to know that you are the boss. I think initially it was quite daunting, to be honest, because I'm also very reserved. So initially it was a bit of getting used to... But I think, like Penny said, I've worked with a lot of them from a very young age, so I know a lot of them. And thank God, they're very supportive as well, mm. extremely supportive. Because, of course, if you had a team that was maybe antagonistic and weren't too happy with a younger person and a female having to lead the team, then it would be a difficult situation to be in. But they've been extremely supportive and even very protective at times as well. Because mm. they recognize the fact that it is... It's a huge task, but again, you cannot do it on your own. They always rally around me. So it, it's been daunting, but it's also been relatively easy. Relatively. Are you it could have been worse. Are you privileged? Yes, I am. I'm privileged, and I thank God all the time. Because, I mean, even when I was in school, and you have to go through job interviews, something as basic as that. It's, it's stressful. It's a stressful situation to be in. But because of the position that I'm in, I don't necessarily have to go through every single thing that everyone goes through. So it's something I recognize, and it, it also humbles me. It also humbles me. Do you ever feel, Kakra, um, do you ever feel inadequate at any time? Do you ever feel that, I wish I had more? I, I, I mean, does it ever get so daunting that you feel... I feel I've been prepared, but I still... No, I think if you have the dad that I do, you always feel inadequate because he's, <laughs> he's, he's achieved a lot. He's accomplished a lot. So in some respects, you always feel like, oh, goodness, I, I really could be doing more and I should be doing more. So there's always that feeling at the back of my head. But that also drives me to work a lot harder because I, 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 the, my, let's say my role model has achieved so much more than I sometimes feel like I could achieve. So I, it, it drives me to work harder so that I could maybe reach half, you know, of what he's also done. So just just the thought of just the thought of your father makes you wake up earlier than usual oh, and work harder than usual. Definitely, because yes. he, he has he has high expectations. I mean, I remember when other kids summertime they would go on holidays. My dad would make us write essays and you mark us and give us D's. You know, was it deliberate? I think so. I think so. I think it was to toughen us and it was to also make us set certain standards for ourselves. Did you dislike him at that time? I didn't dislike him, I misunderstood him. Did I you think fight? Now being... No, no, we don't, we don't fight. We don't fight. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, the, the, the youngest, the youngest child does fight, but I think the rest of us, not so much. Nana Aduma. Nana Aduma. I didn't mention that they are in the studio with their younger sister. She, I mean, she doesn't have the pressure that they have, so she can. You know, young the last ones, they, they have some they privileges that get away with a lot. Yeah, you can like, crucify them. They can ask questions. I mean, <laughs> and I think we're like we're brought up in a very Ghanaian, very Ghanaian setting. What was the Ghanaian setting? You you cannot talk back at your parents. Mm. You have to listen to your parents. What what they say is what you do. I mean, we're very Ghanaian. Yeah. <laughs> come, come to the microphone. <laughs> What's the difference between what they are saying and your own experience? I mean, this one is just one question for you. Tell me. 
and, and, and you are you are obviously far younger than them, and, and they are saying that they are they are privileged and they they, they literally have to conform. But you, you you don't seem to have any of such worries. I mean, I do conform. Only I tend to have a more of a discussion with them, um, whereas they do as they're told immediately. <laughs> I sort of ask questions over why do you want me to do it this way, but can't I do it this way instead? But I mean, eventually, I do do it however they want me to do it. I just need to talk to them about it, to talk through the process, as opposed to them who just take instructions. Let me, let me find out, what, 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 stage in, what stage in your career journey are you now? Are you in school? Have you finished? So Have you I'm just work? starting off. I'm a lawyer. Right. I just got called to the bar last October. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I spent most of my life in England, and I moved down in October 2016 to do the Ghanaian bar. Have you, had, have, you, have, you, have you had that conversation? Which conversation? The, the one that they're referencing. <laughs> oh, yes. A certain conversation that takes place at a particular time between your father and you about your future. Yes, but like I was explaining, mine was more of a discussion and a negotiation so like penny i knew i wanted to do law um but i didn't want to do it straight off the bat i wanted to do something else possibly do another degree be more broad i didn't want to be so narrow in doing law as a first degree so like penny i did history and politics um and then i actually did a law degree as well so i have two <laughs> degrees which of them is worse penny, penny and kakra in what way? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear Lord! Of course you wouldn't answer. If you did, you. I mean, if, if you came in the same car, they would leave you here. <laughs> it's twenty-eight minutes past the hour of eight o'clock, and it's seven o'clock. Sorry, and this is Springboard Virtual University. I have that singular honor of interviewing the Dufour sisters, Payne and and Kakra, and now I have the Naduma as well. Buy two, get one free. It's just um, absolutely incredible. <laughs> and I'm finding out about the conversation that takes place. I'm finding out about, about, about conform, conforming versus versus having a, a discussion, a negotiation. So there's a, there's a conversation, discussion, and negotiation. And there's also a certain time that is had. I still haven't gotten the time well yet. When was yours, Payne? Mine was... During my first degree. So first degree. Yeah. Yours, um, Kakra. Post, fir was, post first degree. Because after my sixth form, I was thinking of going into medicine. Right. Then you had the, you had the first conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of going into medicine because it just—I mean, the subjects that I chose and it just seemed like the next, you know, the next progression. Step. Right. But I had a conversation. That, oh, okay. You know, which was a good conversation because now I look back, I don't think I would have been able to do it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm exploring the timing. Your conversation or discussion, yours was a discussion or negotiation. When was the first one? Um, I think it was around year nine. So, or year ten. That's when I was 14, maybe. So in England, you have to do these tests and it sort of tells you the possible careers that you are more geared towards or you should do. Now, I love food, so I think all the answers I provided were sort of geared towards hotel and tourism. <laughs> so when my results came out, and I told him, he's like, oh, don't listen to these people. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to them. So you like talking, you like doing this, you like doing that. You're quite bold, you like debating. Have you ever thought about law? But I think somewhere down the line, 
was law. I had also, like my siblings, I had to come every summer and work. And I think I had done a little stint at a newspaper. So journalism was also quite high on the list. So I think as at age 14, it was either law or journalism or the food business. But yeah. <laughs> I said, don't, don't mind that, bro. Food one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> Standing with his father, uh, so we are at the midpoint of the show, and we are exploring succession what are the, the the drivers of decision how is the conversation held how do you guide the child or how do you guide um, the young adult or how do you guide the adult um, child um, without um taking over as it were or trying to live your life through them and kakra tells me about how just thinking about the achievement of your parent is enough motivation for you to work even harder than usual and you tell yourself if Charlie if this I can achieve half what you have done in my lifetime I would have lived a good life. Tonight it's all about succession, the next level. My guest on the line this evening, Kofi Dom, a man I've known for several years. He's a second generation CEO and he's running the Kedom business based in Accra, Kumasi and Cape Coast. Kofi good evening and welcome to Springboard. Good evening, Kofi. Good evening, brother Albert. How are you? I'm very well. So, which state in particular are you in at this point as we speak? I would say every time you are walking, <laughs> roaming around the world. Which way are you currently? Um, I'm all over the place right now. I'm currently in Maryland, in the United States. All right. So, Kofi, you you run the Kdom business. Um, I know you. I know you're running from different parts of the world, but you literally are running the business. Um, let, let's get a sense of when. When exactly did Kdom start? Oh, this is um, thanks, Albert. Um, Kdom started informally about seventy-five years ago. Wow, seventy-five years ago. I mean, my math. Let me let me ask Kaka. Kaka is good in math. <laughs> seventy-five years ago. That, that was what year. Uh, this, I, I mean, my father started it. Okay, so you say, they say my age must have, be, have been about 43. Yeah. Started after, after your, very, 1943, okay. So, so tell me, um, when did you personally get involved in the business? Um, I must have been maybe around age eight. I'm having some um, nodding in the studio. There seems to be agreement that age eight is a very... <laughs> A very likely age. What about age eight uh, is of significance? I think I must have been maybe around class three, class four. And at that time, I was very good at art and drawing. Uh, what would typically happen is after school, um, I would get dropped off at work before even I started my homework or I went home. So right from a very early age, my father did involve myself in the business. Um, I started from the bottom. I probably did everything except um, act as a cleaner and a carpenter. But I worked in every department. So at a very early age, he did involve uh, myself and the business. All right, so three points I've noted. The first one is that you you 
started at age age eight. Also, that you, the fam- I mean, it was a culture to actually drop you in the office and get you involved um, in a in a hands-on way. You also mentioned that you started from the bottom and literally were moved through all the departments as a kind of internship. Um, so, when did you begin to see that it was not just um, happenstance? You were being guided into the business by your your your, your father. This must have happened just around my... After I did my command exam. He had a chance to travel to Europe. And he said, hey, uh, you've done your command entrance. Even though the results are not in, I know you're going to do well. So I'm going to take you along with me on this European tour. So we went around a couple of countries. But during that tour... The biggest thing that stood out was um, he pointed out to me how Europeans especially have a succession plan. All his colleagues in the industry had a child or a couple of children working with them. It wasn't something that was very popularly done in Ghana, but right away I noticed how Europeans work together with their children or allow their children to succeed them. So one of the things that wasn't common in Ghana back in the late 70s that was prominent in Europe is Albert and Son Limited. Whether it was a cleaning company or it was a shop, you'd notice that it was um, Johnson and Son or Kreishama and Son. And he pointed that out to me and said, hey, Kofi Abofi, I'm not worried which one. You know, literally speaking, this is how white men or Europeans run their businesses. They start with their kids at an early age. They groom them. They guide them. How old, how old, how old were you then, Kofi? At what stage in your career was this? I was 11. So so you had that conversation we talk about at age 11? Yes. So after coming in trans, when that conversation took place, you your mind was made up that that was the career path you would pursue? Um, again, I was I was very young. I wanted to do my own thing. Um, I did enjoy working with him. I did enjoy being where I was at that time. But I had my own plans, and I wanted to do something else. What was the turning point in, um, in, in your case, Kofi? Turning point? Hmm. Probably... And this is this is interesting. It was after he passed away. Was it was it a vacuum that was created that pushed you? Were, were you pushed uh, by circumstances in that in, in in this instance? Um, yes and no. Um, no, first because I literally was groomed, but I wasn't prepared. It has a difference between these two: groomed but not prepared. And then, yes, because the vacuum had been filled and there was nobody else around qualified enough to fill those shoes. Kofi, you speak to a very sensitive issue when you say the, the, the global tour opened your eyes to the fact that it is best practice that is being done in other parts of the world to deliberately groom your children um, to succeed you in business. And so you've you articulated it in a, in a very interesting way. Um, 
one of the questions I'm seeking to answer tonight, as I hang out with people like you, is to find out, in, in straight and plain terms, what is the biggest benefit of handing over your business to your children? Kofi. Um, the biggest benefit, where in most cases or in all cases, um, the profit or the money that is made, all the benefits are accruing to running a business can be handed down to your family members, immediate family members. Your kids, I'm looking at a pretty lady sitting in your studio. They don't have to go beg anybody for a dime to survive. I mean, if you run it well, you make money, you keep the money and the family. You know, nobody in the family has to go out and go borrow um, money for survival. And you run your business, you run it well. Probably to me the biggest, even the bigger benefit is the goodwill that you leave behind for your children. They can capitalize on that goodwill and do use it as a springboard or stepping stone to do whatever they want to do. Final question, Kofido. Um, some people argue that what, what is the place of trusted lieutenants? How, what would you say to that? What is the place of trusted lieutenants? Yeah. Hmm. Well, it is. It is. It is interesting. It it can be thorny. Um, for me, I've been studying this um, genera- generational business succession for a long while. You know, probably maybe over thirty years. I've been watching um, carefully how it's going to pan out in Ghana. Um, depends on how the structure of the business is. You know, if it's a one-man um, business, uh, the dynamics are different from if it's an established corporation. You know, the dynamics can be different. And it's different from business to business. Um, where having a trusted lieutenant take over a business after the owner has retired or um, passed on, it can be different from one company to another. Um, in some in some instances, you better hiring a trusted lieutenant or allowing a trusted lieutenant to carry on with the business. You know, unfortunately, not all children are business minded. So unfortunately, not all children will act responsibly. I know some companies. I know some companies in our generation that um, the parents handed over or left behind a thriving company only for the company to collapse after the child um, took over. You know, virtually in less than ten years after the children took over, the companies were dead. And we still have companies around that are being run by a board, or like you said, trusted lieutenant, and they're doing much better than when the original owner even was alive. Kofi, so, I, I want to say a big thank you for your thoughts, and I can tell you this, that you've opened up 
what, what, what they call traditionally a Pandora's box with, with some of the perspectives that you bring. But one thing is certain, you talk about opportunity for the family. You also talk about goodwill. Both are very powerful points. And you are saying that these are merits that we cannot overrule. We'll definitely um, get you your perspective again on this subject as we go along. But thank you for joining us, Kofi. All right, that was Kofi Dom sharing his thoughts about the issue of um, transgenerational succession and especially um, working with your children. And, and he raised points, and I could see the, he was being marked in the studio by Faden Kakra because it was almost like this, yes, that one too, yes, that one too. So tell me, wh- why, why were you nodding your head so much at the point he was making? Were there so many similarities in, from your own experience? Yes, I think for us, I mean, we've been introduced to the, well, Star Trans was the first company. I think all of us has probably worked there and we were introduced at a very young age because they would bring checks home for my father to sign. So we all knew it was Star Trans. They would bring us, so everybody wanted to work at Star Trans. I mean, for me now, I don't even know where I would work if it wasn't for Star Trans because of the kind of affinity that I've built with the brand from a, from a young age. So I think that's important. I think as well, um, what also rang true for me was we've literally worked in every single department. Yeah. I noticed that, that point we was have, also res- yeah. resonating with yeah. you. We were, I've a been a receptionist as well. I've been a customer service Underwriter. Person, underwriter, premium admin, go and collect premiums. I've been a salesperson so, so that you can completely understand the process. Let me ask about starting from the bottom. I mean, he, he talked about that, Kakra. Kakra, how key is it for the children to start from the bottom? It's very important. Why? Not only do you need to understand what every single function within the company, how it operates, but you need to grow into the position. You cannot just assume a position. Humility? Yes. You need to grow into the position. Right. You can't just start your first day at work and be a manager. It, it doesn't teach you anything. You right. need to learn how to work with every single person in every single unit in the organization. Otherwise, it just it doesn't make you a good leader, I think. And I think it also exposes you to different kinds of people. I think it's very... When, when you are at a higher place, you, you don't get to interact a lot with some of the staff. But right. when you start from the bottom, you meet all, time, all types of people and you learn how to interact with them for, for, for you to get the best results. When, when you find yourself in the glass office, are you able to go back easily and sit, hang out with the, with, the, with, the, with the guys because you've been part of them? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's also a difficult balance. It's also right. a difficult balance because, I mean, you've worked as a receptionist, so you know everyone. You right. know the support staff, you know everyone. But you also have to and create time. that kind of space, not space, but enough space, but not so much space where you lose touch with everyone, right. but enough so that there is some level of a respect right. moving forward. Finding that balance. Yeah. When they call you Dr. Dufour's daughter, instead of calling you Kakra for who you are, does it yeah. upset you? Upset is a strong word. Right. But it's it's difficult because... You're, you're, you are... You are I mean, you are an achiever in your own right. I mean, Ghana's, yeah. Ghana's only female actuary. I mean, it's a big achievement, but I mean, it's, it, it has its ups and downs. I can't say I, I, I don't like it because it has also opened a lot of doors for me. But the 
the difficult part is you have a lot of people having a lot of preconceived notions about you. So even without knowing you, they think you're a certain way. Do they think you're arrogant? Some people do. Why? Some people. It's, I think it's just. You see, I'm. For me, for example, I'm quiet. When I go into a situation, I'm usually slightly quiet. And some people may see it to be a bit standoffish. Penny is very friendly. She's an extrovert. Every time she goes into the room, she's the bubbly one. Do they compare the two of you? Yes. They, they say do. she's nice. You are bad. Not bad, but they say she. On trendy. Penny part. Oh, sorry. They, yeah, on Penny part. But it, it's also because. I want you to know me. I, I don't want you to know Dr. Dufour's daughter. I want you to know me, and then you can deal with me based on how I am, as opposed to whatever notion you have of me or how you perceive me to be. Or Penny is friendly, so Kaka must automatically be friendly. I want you to get to know me, then I can deal with you. Penny, do you find yourself under pressure because of who you are? Yeah, because you, you have to be a certain way. You, you cannot be yourself. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, I mean, you can't be yourself. I mean, I am Dr. Dufour's daughter, so no matter what, I need to act a certain way. So, I mean, that is always in my mind. Yeah. Do you feel you lost something? Well, where I lost, I've gained in other places, so I right. see it as a balance, really. Let me wind down this conversation. I... I've been asking the question all evening. What is the biggest benefit that that Ghana gets or Dr. Dufour gets because he had you to take up these roles? And not just you, I mean your brothers, to take up the roles that you are playing in the business. What is the biggest benefit? I think um, we, were, we were brought up having similar values, which it's very important to him. So me working there or even letting my my children work there i know that we have similar values running through and i think sometimes it's not just about money but making sure that the values that he stood for and for the reason that he set up the companies are there so he has very he has there are certain things that he i mean he's very strong on and we need to make sure that that goes on generation to generation so i think for me that is very important and i think for me it is important that because I'm his child, I mean, and I've worked with him, I understand certain things about him, and there are certain ways that he would run, he would like his companies to be run. I might not agree with it, but then I'm not the founder. So for me, it is important that there are aspects of him that runs through the companies generation to generation. Where do you see Star Assurance 10 years from now, 20 years from now? When you are 50? When I'm 50. When the company is 50? Hopefully my son will be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's another conversation we should have. Kakra, yes. as we wrap up on this, what, where, what's the biggest benefit in your opinion of transgenerational um, succession running through the family, giving your children the chance to be part of the business? Okay, I think when your children are part of the business, they always have that emotional connection to the business. Yeah. So someone says emotional connection, someone says values, someone says opportunity, someone says goodwill. Tell me, tell me about emotional connection. Um, when you're emotionally connected to something, I believe you, you give it your all. Hmm. If you're not emotionally connected to it, it's 
it's not that easy to maybe go above and beyond where you would have ordinarily. So you, if you have that vested interest in the business, like you're always going to want the best for the company. And it's not just about making money or getting my salary at the end of the month. It doesn't matter. It goes beyond that. It's about what are you creating? Like what value are you also adding? How are you improving on what has been created? It's not just about, okay, at the end of the month, I'm getting my paycheck. I have a vested interest in Springboard, <laughs> and especially in our 10th anniversary. And I can tell you, after 10 years of doing this, this is the first time I've, I've interviewed identical twins. And I feel very proud of myself. <laughs> but for you, Nkaka, it's, it's been an amazing discussion with the two of you. Let me give the last word to Nana Duma. From your perspective, as a, not just as a legal person, but as a part of the family from a different age bracket, what, in your opinion, is the best um, benefit of handing over what you build to your own children um, as, as leaders? I mean, let's face the facts. Nobody wants to build a business for it to end when they pass away. Mm. I mean, there's no point. So for my father, it's been very important to see us gets involved in it so like they were saying we've all been involved from even i <laughs> even i um have been involved so i just think i would just go with the business aspect of it there's no point in starting something that's going to end when you're yeah, done when you're not there so it's important to put people in place who will pass and carry that on and even better if it's your children um would i let my children work in the family business probably not you know, there's, there's something I like about you. <laughs> <laughs> so let me say the most difficult question for you. You're a legal person. How do you deal with rivalry among children? Oh, there's no rivalry. I'm the favorite. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Three minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. And, 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 and look at the answer the lawyer gave me. <laughs> Three minutes to the answer of, to, to the time of uh, 8 o'clock. And this, this has been Springboard, your virtual university. My guests for tonight have been... Um, Boatima Penin Bafo Ewa and Boatima Kakra Dufo Nyapu. I call them Penin and Kakra and I've struggled to mention their full names and I hope it's the last time I have to do it <laughs> this way. And then also, of course, Nana Aduma providing perspective on the Dufo legacy. Um, we also were joined on the line by Kofi Dom, who brought some interesting perspectives and, in his opinion, started a conversation early around 8 and then dropped the children off before they did their homework, let them do some work in the family business and, very importantly, let them start from the bottom and get them to be acquainted and even if you're not interested, do sleep and dream and then start, be, start getting interested and then you build them from there. So th those are the thoughts that we've been sharing and this is the series that we are bringing you. We have a long list of very interesting um, leaders coming through at various stages and some of them have very brutal experiences of resistance from the people within who say you just can't come and lord it to us. We'll break all that down here on the show. Dr. Nadanza says your guests are good looking, they've also achieved but they are very humble. You are watching from Kentucky and instead of listening to what they are saying, you are looking at their looks. May the Lord forgive you. Good night and God bless you. My name is Albert O'Cran. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A 
for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-900. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,